From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. For our guest today, I'd like to welcome Tom Shea, CEO and original founder of OneStream Software. OneStream is now recognized as a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for cloud FP and A solutions. For more information, feel free to visit onestreamsoftware.com. Again, onestreamsoftware.com. Tom, I'd like to uh, open our show with you know a favorite quote or a mantra or passage that you have that it carries you through the the day or you know even your life personally and professionally. Yeah, so I just wanted to say you know thank you for the for the opportunity to be on the show and uh, just. Really looking forward to good discussion. I've listened to some of your other shows, and they're Thank great. You. And uh, excited for a conversation and to connect with your audience. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. And from a perspective of what moves me, what motivates me, I think tied personally and professionally, and that is, you know, it's a very simple premise, and that is treat others the way that you want to be treated. And really, what that means to me is to be a humble kind of servant leader. And that means, you know, I always tell everybody, if, if we have a tough problem to solve, I'll be there on the front lines with you. If the bathroom's dirty and needs to be cleaned. You know, whatever has to get done has to get done. And that's really the way that you have to think when you're building a business. And I think if you do that, people will follow you and respect you. And it's just kind of a common sense. And that's what I mean by treat others the way that you want to be treated. And it's just sort of a really simple mindset to follow. Yeah, well, that's terrific. And uh, how did you get that, Tom? Is that something that was instilled in you or is it kind of your own uh, internal compass? I think it was just, you know, just from watching others, we've all been around, you know, as you go through your life, go through your career, you start to see those that, that you respected and why you respected them. And I think it just came from, it felt good to work with this person, or it felt good to be around this coach and and how they treated me. I think that just eventually starts to reflect and you see that that's the way that I want to be seen. And that's the way that I want to behave. So I would definitely say it was experiential. It wasn't something that was just innate. But I think I was fortunate to have good mentors and good people around me that just showed strong work ethic and showed, uh, you know, respect for those around them and and really encouraged and uplifted other people. The culture, how is that? uh, Well, at least in my opinion, that's positively influenced the culture. And and you on the show are definitely um, sharing that with us. How would you describe it that how it affects the culture at OneStream as well? It's at the core. One of the things that we're most proud of at OneStream is our culture. And, you know, and to the extent that when we're interviewing somebody and it's been this way from the, when there were only, you know, a few handful of us in the business, we would interview people, you know, and we've come out and after that interview, we'd, we'd have to say, is, are they OneStream? And, and it really was a cross, did they have the right cross section of values and behavior and were they humble and were they... So it's in everything that we do. And, you know, I am fortunate. This is my second company. And many of the people that were part of the first company, again, almost all of them joined the second company, which was a reflection of the power of the culture. And then they became great stewards of that thinking and that culture and are even more protective of it because they had some time at other businesses in between and they got to see that difference. And and it was quite a different reality. So when they came back and we were all on this journey on the OneStream company, a lot of those, we have a lot of protectors of this culture and 
people that believe in it. And to this day, as fast as we've been growing, really, really good enthusiasm for this is who we are and this is what we want to be as a business and continuing to grow that in it. So it's, it's a, that behavior, it's amazing how that, you know, sitting down and working on a problem with somebody in tech support and them knowing that they can count on you versus, you know, just barking at them. Did you get it fixed? You know, that's the difference. And it, it really, it's just a powerful way of, of acting and driving culture. Behavior, like that you use that word behavior. In uh, at least in my experience and uh, opinion, that may be uh, even as important, sometimes even more so than just skill and knowledge. Which you're, uh, you might, I might be wrong in your eyes, but I'm curious to hear your uh, your input. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it all ties back to this idea that if if you see somebody doing something and they're successful, that's much more impactful than just having you know an abstract conversation, really. And this, again, goes to all the founders of, our, of the companies. We go way back. We've been friends since childhood, relatives, and it's really something that's deep in the way that we act. And I think seeing that behavior across you know, the leadership of our company has really been able to you know, drive. The term that I'm looking for is really a legitimate culture. It's so different than just saying, you know, you see entrepreneurs and companies write a mission statement, but really what enforces it is the behavior and how you get there. So again, using the term to reinforce it, that's what's so important is it's, it's action. How about legacy with this? I noticed that you know, through your site and uh, some of the other platforms that you've uh, have been on in media that there seems to be this, it's great because you're in the future as well as you're in the, uh, not in the past, but there's a tradition base as well. Yeah. Again, we've tried to distill some of the things that we, you know, from us as founders, you always, when you're getting involved and you're an entrepreneur, you look at academic pursuits. And a lot of times those become lofty and, you know, really complex. And we've always tried to just distill things down. What's a simple mission statement? If every customer needs to be a reference. And so what we're trying to do here with our company, what we've always done is create a mission-based company. And so it's really easy for somebody to get out, you know, at OneStream to get out of bed every day and know what your mission is. And that is, to make our customers successful. And then each one customer at a time, and we'll continue to build that. Now that's not to the exclusion of happy employees. We all know that, but then we applaud and cheer for each other when we achieve that objective, which again, takes care of itself and it fans out. So it's this, this authentic, you know, and that history and, you know, to, to tie into the legacy that you talked about, that belief, I now feel like that is just a core. If I ever started any company, I would never, deviate from that because I know that if I do that, I can build success at one customer at a time. We did that with our first company. We've done it again with our second. It's hard, but it gives you a mission and it makes people proud when they achieve it. That uh, every customer must be a reference. From that, that approach is uh, extremely, I think, personal as well as obviously delivering a product and a service that you do. How did you even arrive that? Was it a formal discussion, something, you, you know, were you on a run, a jog? How did you arrive at that level of uh, care? Well, there's a technical reason for it, and then there's a personal reason for it. So uh, one of the founders of both these companies is my best friend since third grade, and he just came from a sales background and, and sort of just, he was really burned at a, at a company that he was at before where he was selling a product that really wasn't delivering. And he just couldn't stand it. He was great at selling, but he couldn't stand that feeling. 
And uh, when we were working on our business plan and our mission, he just said, you know, the simple thing is every customer is a reference. And if I have to sell it, I want to be proud of it. And it just stuck. It really became something that we just took to heart and grew, you know, from that. That's on the personal side. That's the piece where it's something that he felt, I don't want to do this. I want to believe in what I'm selling and I want to grow and build a company that stands and believes. And again, these are just basic they're really common sense things, I, I think, but on a professional or on a technical side, we sell to the office of the CFO. We're a book of record. And for me to stand there in front of someone that's counting on our software to deliver the right numbers to Wall Street and the, the level of complexity that it comes around finance, I need to have that commitment there as well. And so technically, it just in order for us to succeed, you couldn't make mistakes. And, and so there were both of these pieces aligned for us. And it feels good from a cultural and a belief level, but it's also a necessity from a product and a, and a go-to-market strategy. That's excellent, Tom. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Tom Shea, CEO and founder of OneStream Software. For more information, feel free to visit their website at onestreamsoftware.com. Again, onestreamsoftware.com. I like, Tom, you said, yeah, do you take it to heart? That's um, interesting you say that because, if, as I said, there's a very, um, for lack of a better word, there's a very realness to your business and your operation. Is Again, is that something that ha- it, you just are and it's just the way you are, or is it something that you, uh, you think or feel has to be um, practiced uh, daily? I think there's an element to that, at least from my perspective, that is just who I am. I'm not, um, I, I'm an unlikely entrepreneur to begin with. And so the fact that people more risk averse and more, you know, grew up here in Michigan and, you know, my father thought that a 30 year career at General Motors or Chrysler was going to suit me better. And, you know, doing this was, was something that was foreign, you know, really in, in my family and in the thinking. And so, you know, in, in, in becoming an entrepreneur, I wasn't bred to think I'm a leader. I want to do this. I just had a passion for what I wanted to do and I wanted to be great at it. I love programming and I wanted to create a great product that served the market. And I just felt that, you know, if I could infect the people around me with, I hate to use that term in a, in a pandemic, but with passion and with belief, they would follow me. And then really that just kind of, you know, falls into this whole idea of just, if you treat people well and you show passion and you can execute, you know, you can do great things. And so there's a part of me that just, I just didn't know another way. I wasn't looking to be someone's boss. I was looking to win. And I wanted people that wanted to join my team to win. You talked about being, how do you distill? Basically, I call it, you're distilling, you're taking information and turning it into intelligence, and then you make action. How can you describe that level of, you know, distilling, you know, even new products for your clients? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, this can be extrapolated out to all types of problems. If, if you have the ability to take a complex problem and break it down into manageable components and then really attack those different components through a plan, there's really nothing you can't achieve. And I think, and, and then being able to articulate that in a way that, look, I see this as a big problem. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to decompose it. We're then going to go ahead and, you know, step one is going to be to approach this part of the problem, step two, and then eventually we'll end up with a resolution. That's how I really look at everything from engineering our organization to engineering a new product. And I think it's a a skill that when you really see uh, people that are pretty effective in their job or have become effective leaders, they have an ability to not become overwhelmed by the scope of a problem because they're able to decompose it 
and then attack it. And I just think really it's just a series of all things that you see in business are just, it's applying that approach over and over just to the particular problem you're on. So I really think that that is the hallmark of, you know, kind of success in any endeavor. How about the leadership of OneStream? It sounds like just from uh, your show today that there's a leadership component to almost everyone in your company. Now, of course, I don't know everyone in your company, but it sounds like and seems like, and I've read about that there is a component in every single person that you work with that has a leadership quality. Am I reading it wrong or, or, or is that kind of by design a little bit? No, not at all. I mean, again, so our product is we sell to the largest, most you know, prestigious, most complicated businesses in the world, and we solve really hard problems for them. And so we kind of look at it from a historical perspective as if we build a great product and we're lucky enough to attract the brightest people from our industry, meaning the, the folks that have been working in this type of software, because there's a partner community there that implements software. There are software engineers that have been writing that, that we could attract the best and brightest people, then you would end up in a situation where you could pull in a group of really great thought leaders that could help us propel the company forward. So the aspect of leadership that you're talking about that you're seeing came from really this first mission, getting that believability, that customer reference ability, and getting enough credibility that those smart people that we sort of knew, this is all, it, it's, it's funny, this, when you work in an industry for a long time, you end up crossing paths, which I'm sure you have many people that you've seen that are in different, you know, different places on different stations at different times, and, but you know them and they know you and they know what you're about. And, and we knew that if we could attract those people that we've crossed paths with over time, they could bring elements to our company that would enable us. It really makes you an unstoppable force if you if you combine that passion, great product with great people. And that's why you see a lot of leadership. We have a lot of pillar folks from our sales team to our services team that are really would be considered top people in the industry that are known. And, and that's the leadership that's helped us achieve the things that we've achieved. Now, how much do uh, or how much have you know, mentors early in this process helped you? It's funny that you say that because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm in the shower, every once in a while, I forget, did I wash or not? Because I'm thinking about, you know, something I got on a tangent. And for some reason, the other day, I was thinking about our leadership. We were working on a leadership development program here in OneStream. And, and I was thinking about the leaders that influenced me when I was younger. Uh, I spent 10 years in corporate finance and worked at some large companies. And there were some individuals that were really, really important to my development. And I don't know what it was. They saw something in me, but they took the time. I can remember being really stressed out going through a closing process. I worked at ITT and really stressed out and we were closing the books and it was a mess and late nights. And and this mentor just came and said, let's just take a walk around the parking lot. Just come on out. And I was a young kid. I was, you know, not young kid, but let's call it my early twenties. And I didn't know. All I knew is I thought the sky was falling. This, we're not going to close the books. This is a $30 billion company. He's like, let's just take a walk. And he took me outside and helped me realize to take some of the emotion out of this and to calm down. And then also, you know, really promoted me through a lot of different roles there. And that type of calm, that type of perspective really had a big impact on me. And I don't think that I could be at a young age, I was put in front of a lot of CFOs later on after my first company. And I think a lot of it came from those mentors, really giving me a, a great exposure to expectations to what it means to interact with someone at a large corporation at a, at a high level. Yeah, You hear the, the word now, and it's good to use, and it's actually important, it's transparency. But also, you, you touched on something earlier, Tom, about off, being authentic. How did 
you arrive there to say, you know, I, I need to be authentic. And, and if I am, it's going to positively affect uh, not just people I'm working with, but our clients as well. Yeah, it, I wish I knew the answer to that. I mean, I literally just feel, feel that I, I'm acting in a way that I appreciate when others act. I mean, the way that I get confidence if there's a problem, if somebody's transparent with me, because really what you're asking is where authenticity and where transparency comes into play is when something's not going well, right? Really, when you think about it, when do you need that? When something's not perfect, right? You really are starting to look for, am I getting the real story here? Imagine having someone at your house that's or working on your car that tells you you need new brakes and you don't believe them. You know, it's the same kind of idea. You know, it's, it's that concept of how do you get someone comfortable that you have the capability to solve the problem? You're transparent enough where you clearly articulate what the problem is and then how you want to go ahead and how you're going to approach solving it. Those are the things that I, I think after you go through that a few times, because you're uncomfortable at first explaining it, being transparent. Once you come through that and you see the way the individual reacts to the transparency and to the authenticity, and then you solve the problem you build on that and you realize that that is the, the way forward, even in an uncomfortable situation or in a situation where something's not going as you all hope. How about the, uh, if you're at liberty to share a story, of course, you don't have to name names or, or company, where it was a prospective client who is now a client and it just looked like it just wasn't going to either go or there's just uh, not so much a fit, but just they weren't understanding how you can help them and you knew you really could help them. Can you share, you know, obviously we, we don't have an hour, but a story without naming names unless you want to of that type of kind of worst to first experience? Yeah, well, that happens a lot of times because we're replacing an incumbent. So to give a, to, rather than give a, a very specific, there's been a lot of products that are in the market in the office of finance. If you think of that's who we primarily sell to the office of finances, they're a group of people that the way that you can think of closing the books in a large corporation is if you get your job done on time, that was expected. If you don't, you get a needle in the eye, right? It's just, it's one of those, you know, and so, so you're, you're selling to, to folks like that. And a lot of times where it's just, it's always a high pressure kind of process. So in a lot of ways, we're talking to people that you really need to be sensitive about, you know, we're, we're here to help you. We're not just trying to sell you software. And, and some of the things that, that I've said, and I say all the time is I don't want your money if I can't make your problems better. I mean, that doesn't help me, that doesn't help you. And so in a lot of cases, again, being authentic that way, because you, you customers are sort of jaded. So I mean, I'm, I know I'm generalizing and not give you a specific case. This, this is a combination of hundreds of cases as I've kind of talked to large corporations in the office of finance around the globe. They, you know, you really need to show them and you know, back to our prior conversation, you have to be able to demonstrate that you can achieve what they need to be done because there is just zero tolerance for a publicly traded company to miss a date, a time. They're relying, the, you know, that's a pressure in the business that we're in. It's not like um, a social media type product where if I don't do a post today, it's okay. Or I don't do a tweet, it's okay. I, I missed an opportunity to, to comment on something. It's not like that. If, if the number's not right, you know, it's literally DEFCON 4 here, you know, all phones are ringing. And, and so being in a situation where, it's challenging. Most cases like that, we have to prove ourselves. Even if they were a customer of my first company and now would be a customer of the second, you would have thought, oh, these guys trust us. No, you have to come in and every one of these jobs, you have to be able to prove. That goes all the way back to my reference of every customer must be a reference. What we do is put every name and number that we've ever sold. And I say, I'm not perfect. 
call any one of them on there. And if we didn't do right, you'll hear that we worked through the problem and we're committed. But here's here's what we're about. That's the type of how we work through these challenges. Super. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. Our uh, public service announcement is for the St. Jude's Hospital, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And uh, St. Jude is uh, leading the way that the world understands, treats, and defeats childhood cancer and other life-threatening disease. You can find more information at stjude.org. Again, stjude.org or stjude.org. We're talking today with Tong Shea, CEO and founder of OneStream Software. For more information, feel free to visit the website at onestreamsoftware.com. Again, onestreamsoftware.com. Tom, why does the uh, St. Jude's uh, Children Research Hospital you know, mean much to you? Well, Tom, I think for any of us that have children, number one, your heart just goes out when you see any family or you know, anyone for that matter, but when you, especially when you see a child in a family that's in, in need and going through you know, such a challenging time as those that would be looking to use St. Jude's services and need that sort of support. Secondarily, we had some you know close family friends that suffered a terrible loss, and St. Jude was at the heart of that, and was you know was a critical step in their process and support system for them. And it really just struck me when, just as an organization, that I wanted to support because of that. And uh, I think it's just it's being a father, being a friend, and being someone that you know, if there's any place that you can easily point compassion, it's towards a it's towards a child. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, with that, again, we're back to that high level of authenticity care. And um, I'll touch on this for businesses, that high level, I call it a high level of, of perfection that uh, you're required to do. How do you manage that level of uh, expected perfection on a daily basis? Again, it comes back to the culture because once you instill the importance of a mission and building a mission-based company, so perfection's not possible, but striving for it and and being clear that you know we're solving complicated problems, and if we are in a situation where something's not going as as is planned, we're not going to just turn our backs and say, "Well, that was too hard." Right? We're tied into that mission, and every person in this company gets up. Uh, with that idea. And that's just something that I think, you know, back to the whole perfection thing, it's, it's, it's just striving for this idea that, you know, if you can do this, you will build success, one successful customer at a time. It, it's, it's hard to do. I don't, I'm not trying to, it's just, it's that idea that once you have a team that's working towards that, it's pretty clear the benefit to it. They see the benefit. We all see the benefit in terms of the success of the company, in terms of the way customers treat us and look at us, in terms of you know, customers being partners, not just customers in terms of the pride of ownership of your job. It creates a culture and an an environment that allows us to continue to do that. That's the everyday. And I I just think the minute you lose that and the minute you stop caring or trying to do that, you're going to drift toward mediocrity and eventually you'll start a downward uh, slope. That's just, you know, my personal, I'm not saying this is the all in leadership guide. It's just what works for me. That's awesome. I really like that. A quote that you've said, break your own business as you grow. Can you share with us how you, uh, you know, a, a touch on that a bit? Yeah. Uh, again, I've been doing this now for about 20 years, starting these companies started in 2000. And uh, 
high growing companies. And also these, these companies were bootstrapped, both of them never took any financing or even looked for a strategic partner until late. We were 10 years in to the second company before we ever took a dollar. It was all self-finance, all through positive cash flow, but all 50% type growing companies every year. So what I mean by break the company is you literally are building a company when you're growing that fast. You know that in a year, the company structure is just not going to be right for what you built. And you, you live in this broken state until you figure out that oh, we need this new function or this new department. And you, you, know, you have to then right size, and, but you know there's another break coming. I'm hoping we're getting to the point now where it's not a break, where you get enough breath. But when you're a $30 million a year company, you don't know how to be a 50. When you're 50, you don't know how to be 80. When you're 80, you don't. There's always something that's, that's breaking and that's process, that's system, that's people. And that's what I mean by that. And you're reinventing yourself every couple of years at that growth rate. Tom, what would you uh, like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on that you, uh, you feel is important or really matters to you? Um... You know, the thing that really matters to me, and I, I get a lot of young entrepreneurs asking me questions about growing a business. And the thing that I really want to point out is being a bootstrap mentality entrepreneur versus sort of trying to get funded. I think there's just no escape from doing the hard work. Don't shortchange yourself. You've got to do that hard work. And I know that sounds, you know, I'm not trying to be preachy to, to young entrepreneurs. It's just that if you're looking at you, if you can prove that you have a product and you can connect with your customer and you can do that one time and then two times, and you can do that on your own, under your own power, you're going to be in such a better position as you look to grow and scale your business and to negotiate your future. That's what I mean by the hard work is don't, that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. Get that connection, get that one customer to pay you one time. And then you can grow it and you can, you can continue that cycle. Then you look for your partners. I just see uh, so many people focused on funding an opportunity, not on that fundamental connection. It's the fundamental connection, not the funding uh, that you need to your customer. And, and I think that's the, if I could say anything, that's the thing that I think if there's any secret or any belief, that's the kind of passion that I have and that I think uh, you know, could be helpful to someone starting a business. Thank you, Tom. Tom, that was well stated. Well stated. One of the most poignant ones I've heard in a very long time. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Tom, it's really been an honor and pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you very much. I'd love to invite you again sometime in the near future. I, I really mean that because uh, I can tell this is, a, this is really going to be a well-listened to show. Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you, Tom. Hopefully, I didn't <laughs> fumble too much. No, no, no absolutely. It was, it was wonderful. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Tom Shea, CEO and founder of OneStream Software. For more information, feel free to visit their website at onestreamsoftware.com. Again, that's onestreamsoftware.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dioro. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The Chief Audio Engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief Engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. 